This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Good morning. It is for a few more minutes. I want to share with you today um, a message, and it's going to be a series, and this series is going to be the journey of faith, the journey to faith. And when I've, um, in fact, I didn't do this in the first service, um, but as I was uh, worshiping and praising the Lord in this, uh, in just a few more uh, minutes ago, I began to reflect on some of the things the Lord has helped me in my own faith. And when, you know, in Hebrews eleven six, and we're not going to turn there, uh, but in Hebrews eleven six, there's this differentiation between, the Bible says they, they must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And you know, when we talk about the word faith, people will say, well, I got faith, I believe in God. And that's not what we're going to talk about here. I'm, I'm, you know, we are going to hit on that at the end of the service today. Do you believe in God? Obviously, but you know, once you believe in God, but do you believe in God? Do you believe that he is a God of promises? Do you believe that God is a God that you can have a, you know, an intimate relationship with? And so I began to reflect on that. And I, I remember um, starting this church. And that was a place where um, I had to go to a place where I, I thought I could do it to a place where I knew I couldn't do it and God was going to do it through me. And I remember that was a journey for almost a year. I remember worshiping the Lord when I was an assistant pastor in Grand Haven. And much like these seats here, I remember spending um, every single morning of the week laying on one of those chairs, throwing worship music on, and just seeking God. It was one of the hardest and the best years of my life. The hardest being that I felt I was in a space of abandonment on the current leadership I was under. And also the greatest was I knew that God was putting something in me. There was becoming less of me, but also at the same time, there was a, a newness of God inside of me. Another time where I began to uh, uh, see God and move in God is I, I was a uh, children's pastor and I remembered uh, to move about storms. And you know, God's a God that tells us to speak to our storms. I remember one specific storm and we had a, a kids camp and um, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday we would do this uh, kids camp and, and uh, we would have this, you know, hundreds of kids in the sanctuary and, and we would do games and we would do activities and Bible memorization and um, all kinds of, uh, you know, interactive things with teams and stuff. And, but at the culmination at the very end of it, we wanted the parents to get involved. And so what we would do is we would uh, rent out this park in Grand Haven and we would have uh, a jumping space and we would have uh, like four ski boats out there pulling tubes and we would have hot dogs and just a dinner. And we really wanted the, the community because we, we realized that about half the kids that came to our kids camp weren't church going kids. And so we wanted them to have an understanding that church isn't about just a Sunday morning, go through the motions. We wanted them to know that we loved their kids and what their kids had actually you know, um, had received all week long. And uh, I remember we're, you know, the weather had been just so great all week. And here we get in, and my wife and I are in our ski boat. And um, where we were going is, uh, it was Pottawatomie Bayou. And we lived on Stearns Bayou. So it was about two, three mile drive, uh, you know, kind of um, drive with the boat. And as we were driving, and we'd, I'd seen the weather report. 
And the weather report was very contradictory for, this, for that day. And I didn't have another plan. I didn't have alternative. I mean, we had four ski boats. We had all this uh, jumping arena. We had, we had thousands and thousands of dollars wrapped up in this, this last day, this celebration, not going a different direction. And the storm, you know, you looked on the, I, I looked on our, uh, you know, the, the weather and, and you just you could see the radar was just nothing but a storm. And I remember, I remember a history lesson I had from a brother in the Lord. And I was a younger man. I was like 24 years old in Jesus. And I remember uh, him telling me this story. And see, this is what the Bible is full of stories, yes? About great events that God had done through other people, right? So that God's not a respecter of persons. He wants to do those great events through you. Now, it may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but it may be in a space of time where you really need it. Well, that space of time had come. I remember this history or the story moment where my, uh, this, this teacher, I would call him like a tutor of mine and a mentor of mine, he had shared this story and uh, this young girl was in this car. And in this car, um, she was, I think she was like eight or nine years old, but she had a relationship with Jesus. Not a lot of understanding with Jesus, but she had a relationship with Jesus. And all of a sudden this tornado came right down the street, right at mom and dad in the car. And mom and dad just went into shock. And it's like a lot of us, don't we? Sometimes we go into shock. They went into shock. They didn't say anything. They didn't, you know, and dad just kind of hit the brakes, but, this, but it didn't stop. The tornado was still coming. And the little girl in the back seat says, you shall not come our way. And that tornado stopped in its space and moved aside. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't a witness of that event. I wasn't there, nor am I a witness of the events that happened in the Bible. But there's a witness of faith in my heart that that's true. And there was a witness of faith that, that what happened to that young lady was true. So all of a sudden, here I am in my boat, and this many years later, you know, maybe eight, 10 years later, and I'm driving my ski boat to Potomatomi Bayou, and I'm seeing the storm, and I'm seeing the lightning, and I'm seeing the darkness over there. And I said, you shall not come. You shall not pass. And as God is our witness, and we've had a lot of people that were involved in that time, we literally had our event and the storms raged all the way around that whole um, basically part time. They didn't touch. We didn't have rain. We didn't have symptoms. We had sunshine, almost like we were in the eye of the storm. And you know what? And God watched over that. And you know what? And sometimes some people will give glory to God. I'm going to give glory to God because I know what he did. And what happened is there was a history moment in my life. Faith moves mountains. In this case, it moved a storm. I remember faith moving my son's arm. The doctor had, or actually I should say, um, I, I think it was a doctor, but misdiagnosed his arm. And they didn't set it and just put it kind of in a sling and it healed wrong. And I remember God speaking to me, he says, I'm gonna heal it and I'm gonna move it like I did, an or, you know, the orthodontist with his teeth. And God did. We got doctors and we've got uh, reports and stuff that can show all that. I remember God healing me when I was fearful of losing my marriage. Events that happened in my life and I thought that ladies were all gonna leave me, including my wife. And so I remember God, I remember the moment God went over there and took that fear out of my heart, but it was a journey. I was married many years and lived with that fear and lived with that doubt and tried to be the best husband, the best lover, the best provider and everything. And all of that fear still gripped my being. But faith took me away and set me free. 
I remember uh, sitting on a, on a dock and in this, in this midst of time and seeking God. I said, God, I just want to be a pastor to these kids. And I was a children's pastor and I want to know what it is. And God gave me a vision. And, and all of a sudden I was at Big Star Lake and one minute I could see the lake and the next minute all I could see is a vision of Jesus and all these crying kids. And that light hit me. And so I want to share with you, you know, that these, these events, and God wants these moments, but there's many years that pass on in between these events, but it doesn't make me doubt who God is. It just makes me assurance. And less. In fact, yesterday I was at John Ball Park Zoo, and God came, gave me this coolest little uh, scenario in, in teaching, I, I would say, out, out of what faith is. And uh, I, had my, a couple, I had my grandchild, Zoe, and my, my son-in-law and daughter there. And then we had, I'm going to say, my new adopted son and, and daughter, um, and, you know, in, in, our, in our life. And we were at this, uh, the John Ball Park Zoo, and they had this, like, this huge light bright thing out there. And maybe you know about it, what I'm talking about. Um, just play along with me. But anyway, um, if you touched it, if the minute you grabbed and touched it physically, all of a sudden it would get all these flowers and lights would shine. But if you didn't touch it, all of a sudden it would go right back into its same image. And of course, you know, the kids wouldn't leave that crazy thing alone. They're all just touching it. And I grabbed Zoe and I tried to get her higher and just so she could touch it. But you know, when you were right up next to it, you couldn't see it. It was just light. That's all it was, it was just light. And I'm like, so then, in fact, it was much funner back here looking at it than it was right up next to it. And so what I really grabbed hold of it is, he goes, God showed me, that's what faith and waiting does. He says, what happens is I'll move in your life, and then, there, then there's these events in your life, these durations of time where you feel like nothing's going on, but really it's the time where you could see what God had already done. You could see the light in what God had shaped. And this, in this event time, this is the beauty. This is where you're supposed to be celebrating all who God is. But most of us want to keep on moving and touch, 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 because we want God to move 24-7 in our life. Touch, 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 touch. And we don't even see that God has already done great things and is looking for that space back here where you praise and worship him and thank him for who he is. Amen? You say, Pastor, is that all in the Word of God? I am so glad you asked. I am so glad you asked. In fact, there's a passage that wasn't even, I wasn't prepared to give today, but the Holy Spirit inspired upon my heart to give it to you. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and actually chapter 3 we're going to read too. Now, I don't have it in your notes, so if you're taking notes, please write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 18, and chapter 4, first couple verses. And we're going to find out what faith is. Faith is when God lights you up on the inside. Kate, have you ever tried to grab light and take it home with you? Can't. It's impossible, right? You can't get rid of it. It's there. Light is light. You crap. Can't, it's, it's a substance, but you can't grab hold of it. and get. You can't let go of it. It's just there. That's what is supposed to happen. See, Satan is so afraid of faith getting inside of your heart because it's light and he can't take it away from you. He can take a tradition away from you. He can take a church lesson away from you. He can take, he can take, you know, your history away. He can take all that away from you, but he can't take true faith out of your own heart because it's light. He can't get a hold of it. It'll just squeeze right out of it. 
right out of you. So I challenge you, because I've watched some people. In fact, I know as I've started many businesses, and I've watched other people. God has spoke to me about starting that business, and I've watched other people go over there and try to start the exact same business right after me, do the same things, try to learn from me what I did, and think they're going to succeed, but God didn't tell them to do it. And the only reason I succeeded is because I'm not that smart. The only reason I succeeded is because I just obeying God. The lesson wasn't the business. The lesson wasn't the strategy to run the business. The lesson is to obey the Lord. The lesson is to obey the Lord. And what most people don't understand is that's what faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. So many of us are walking by sight, walking by circumstances, walking through our trials and not understand that God wants to light up your light, life with faith. The journey of faith. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one. And some of, some of you are doing devotions and, and, uh, and if you're not, I recommend them constantly every day. Get in the Bible, get in the word of God. And sometimes you'll read a chapter. You know, I know, and I thank you for doing that, and God thanks you for doing that. But sometimes the chapter, you know, we, we've divided those chapters up, and they weren't divided, they were a letter that was written, and it wasn't divided the way we read it. And so here's one of those moments in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that you got to read chapter 3. Let me, let me, let me show you. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1 says, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, what new way? Well, you better read chapter 3. Okay. All right, chapter 3, verse 16. But when an, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit and makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Therefore, chapter 4 says, since we, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, what new way? The glory of the Lord is moving inside of our hearts. We're lit up with him. We're moving from glory to glory, and the Spirit of the Lord is walking in our life. We never give up. We never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. Let's pray. Father, I just ask by your Holy Spirit that we can lean into you right now for understanding that your word is alive. Truth, God, is lit up. I pray that truth get in our inner parts. As David prayed it, may truth get into our inner being. And that God, that we would be light, that we would be, and that the Bible says, as Jesus says, and, and the word of God became flesh. May your word get inside of our being and work out as we walk, it's the word of God. As we talk, it's the word of God. As we see, it's the word of God. In you we live, in you we move, in you we have been. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So I've already kind of alluded to that this is going to be a four-type series. Four, um, so here's where we are. Today we're going to talk about doubt. And I'm just going to have two, two steps, basically two things to talk about. And then we're going to go through, we're going to kind of go through uh, rapidly Abraham. Abraham, in, in many times what we don't understand is that God gives definition and, and, and he declares his ideals in his word. And we have a whole chapter on love. We have a whole chapter on faith. 
<laughs> when we see this, we should pay attention. Well, in this, we have basically the book of Genesis. There's this one, one of the main characters is Abraham. In fact, he starts out as Abram and turns into Abraham. And his wife is Sarai, who turns into Sarah, okay? And yet in this journey, he starts at 75 years old. We kind of, he comes on the scene at 75 years old, late in, obviously late in the coming. And we recognize in this journey that, that God is taking doubt or putting, I should say this, God is taking Abraham from a man of doubt, like all of us, into a man of faith, like we all need to be. And it, there's a journey. He goes through these steps, and we're going to talk about it in the next four weeks. One of them is what we're going to talk about today is doubt. We all have doubt. You're not in sin because you have doubt. You're not, you're not a, a, a bad person because doubt comes on your doorstep. Maybe doubt in your marriage, doubt in your children, doubt in your relationship with God, doubt in, in some of the afflictions that are happening in your life. No, it's what you do with doubt. You need to get in step toward faith. Doubt's behind me, moving towards trusting God. Amen? So let's move away from doubt. And we'll talk about what doubt is. We'll even define what doubt is. All right? And then move toward faith in our walk. The second one we're going to talk about next week is acknowledgement. How powerful acknowledgement is. In fact, even tonight um, at 6.30, guys, I'm going to give you an invitation. You don't want to miss it. We even have wings that are going to be coming here. You don't want to miss the wings. Amen. All right. And then we're going to have food here, and then we're going to have a teaching. But the teaching isn't going to be like me just getting in front of you. It's going to be an exercise. We're going to get involved. We're going to have tables set around, and then we're going to get involved. We're going to do an exercise how to work out what God puts in us. You know, and we're going to, and the scripture God had given me this week for this particular um, service is uh, Timothy. Men, you are not to be timid. And we have a culture that wants you to be timid. We have a lies that are trying to make us so that we won't speak. We're made in God's image. So are you ladies, but we're made in God's image, guys. And that God wants us to be bold in who we are, reflective of how great he is inside of our life. And to, you know what? We've not been given the spirit of timidity, but of power, power to express who God is through our life. Love, expressing love in gentle and beautiful ways so that the woman of your life will adore you. All right? Not a struggle. My biggest struggle in parenting is no one in conveying that love. I, you, there wasn't any more love that God had to put in me for my kids. I adored and wanted the best for them, but man, the expression, it was difficult. And they didn't see love. Many times they seen harshness or, or frustration or anger. And that was because I was struggling with what God put in me and getting it outside and expressing. Learn how tonight, how we can learn how to do that. And then a soundness of mind, which means where our brains go everywhere, it's trying to struggle how to do that, sorting through this, and we're going to go through like an exercise. And let me just tell you something. There's no quick fix. All there is is acknowledgement and a plan and a design, and God goes over there, and God does have a vacuum of love to bring you in, but that period of time and that grace period of time, all you got to do is trust God. I, it's taken me years to get through fear in areas of my marriage. But thank be to God that God was faithful, even when the midst of I was doubting. And then the third week, we're going to talk about vacillating. I know that none of you have done that, but please invite somebody that has, that you know. Because all of you guys are so true to everything you believe, and none of you struggle with back and forth and vacillating in life. But please bring somebody that you know, because they're going to need to hear that service, all right? And then the fourth one we're going to talk about, what is trueness of faith? What does it really, really mean? 
look like. This is going to be a series that none of you are going to want to miss. Let me just give you some scriptures on how God sees faith real quickly here. James 1, 6. But when you ask God, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Matthew 21 says it this way in verse 21. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. Matthew 14, 31, Jesus said to, you know what? Jesus immediately grabbed Peter and reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? Mark 11, 22 to 24, and then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown in the sea, and it will happen. I want to talk about if you have your Bibles or you're going to be looking on the screen. Let's go through um, a little bit of Abraham's life. Okay, we're just going to take a few minutes here. And I know that you can please take time to study this out because it's worth studying this out. In Genesis chapter 12, we have this new man comes on the scene in, in the Word of God, love letter to us. His name is Abram. And we find out that the first thing that God asked Abram to move in his journey to faith is this. Leave what's comfortable to you. Leave what's comfortable. Now, I want to tell you something. All of us have spaces of comfort. All of us have a place where things are, you know, where, where, where we get to that place where we just want things to settle down and be the way, you know, patterns make us feel safe, right? And here's God telling a man, Abram, says, look, I know you're really comfortable in your dad and what your dad's done. And what he's accomplished. He's wealthy. And all that wealth you want to sit in all this land that's already yours. But I want you to trust me. I don't want you to trust in your job. I don't want you to trust in your schooling. I don't want you to trust in your inheritance. I want you to trust me. So God takes him on this journey. So the first thing he does is he says he takes him out of his comfort zone. By the way, this is something the Lord had shown me about the Holy Spirit. He says, I didn't give you a comforter because you're going to be comfortable. The Holy Spirit, one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is he's our comforter. Because you know what? God, if you're letting God lead you, he's going to lead you to some seriously uncomfortable spaces. Amen? And so here's God asking Abram in his first step, come on, guy, we're going to, get, we're going to leave the land in which you feel comfortable in. And then we find out in Genesis 12, verse 7 through 9, that here's this space. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and with promise, I'll give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar. This is what I love about Abram. And we're going to get more into this next week. Abraham looks over at all this land. Was it his yet? No. But in God's eyes, it was. The promise is, I'm going to give you all this land. I'm going to give you all this to your descendants. He doesn't even have any descendants. He didn't have a son. I'm going to give it all to you. And Abram doesn't go over there and get, you know, just, he doesn't get all full of despair and all kinds of anxiety over the situation. What he does, he builds an altar. Because you know why I think he's building an altar? I think he's struggling with doubt. I think he's struggling with doubt. Well, God said it, but I don't even have a kid. I'm 75 years old. I don't even have a child. 
He's talking to me about, I'm gonna have this huge inheritance. I'm gonna have all this land and all I see is everybody else is possessing this land. And God brings me this new land. I have no son and I think he's struggling. You know what this, this play, praise and worship is all supposed to be? It goes over there and says how big God is. It gets you to a place where God is huge and you realize that the God who's so big and so huge can light up your life. And it's not about your skill set. It's not about your schooling. It's not about your accomplishments. It's not about how, what you've done in the past. It's all about how big God is and will you lean into him and not your own self. Genesis 12, verse 10 through 12, um, thir- uh, 10 through 13. And how many of you have ever been in, in, with God and you're, you feel like you're in that plan, you're taking a step with God and you just kind of expect things to go smoothly? I mean, after all, you're obeying God, right? And all of a sudden, it just seems like everything that could go wrong goes wrong. I've actually had people come up to me and say, Pastor Ron, I don't, I don't even know if I want to follow and obey God because it seems like every time I take that step of faith, it just seems everything just turns to hell. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. You need to hold on to your faith, not hold on to your hell and your circumstances. You need to hold on to the promise because here's Abram. He's leaving the land of comfort. God's shown him the promised land. You'd think that things are going to smooth out, and that's exactly the opposite happens. We find out right here in Genesis chapter 12, and at that time a severe famine struck the land. <laughs> so he's going, so you're sending me to a land that's going to be full of famine. Is anybody out there listening? You guys see this? Listen, let me tell you something. You can't lean into your circumstance. You can't lean into your scenario. You got to lean into the God who promised it. And God is always trying to do this. What are you holding on to? Are you holding on to the hand of God or are you looking to the face of God? I know this. When my kids are looking for a handout, we don't have a great relationship. Okay? But when my kids want to have a face-on-face relationship, when they want to talk and they want to listen and I want to listen and talk with them, our relationship is healthy. Genesis chapter 13, verse 8 says, Finally, Abraham said to Lot, let's now allow the conflict. So here's Abraham. And he's not fully convinced. He's struggling right now. He's going, well, okay, God, I'm getting older. I'm 85 years old. You told me I'm going to have this land. You told me I'm going to have these descendants. Maybe God was thinking Lot. Lot was a good thing, right? I mean, I took my, my brother died and his son Lot, I took him as a son. So maybe that's what God meant. Have you ever tried to figure things out because God doesn't know how to figure things out for you? Have you ever had a plan that you thought maybe yours was, was certainly a little swifter? And so here we are, God goes over there with Lot and God, what happens is, is I believe God had this conflict that Lot's servants and God and Abraham's servants began to fight for each other so that Lot had to go this direction and Abraham had to go this direction. Many times God is trying to get you in the right place to think the right thoughts, to have the right heart in a scenario and you're so caught up with your now and here that you can't even see the design that God has. So God goes over there and takes Lot right out of the scenario. Well, now that Lot's gone, we don't have any descendants. What's the next thing? You know, and, and God goes, hey, see all this land? See all this? I'm giving it unto you. And Abraham goes, well, maybe he's talking about my servant. And we find this, and again, Genesis, we find this space where Abraham's struggling with doubt. Again, 
Now, none of us ever struggle with doubt, so just pretend that, you know, you could get like Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, um, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. And in Abraham, verse 2, Abraham replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, maybe Eliezer should be, maybe my servant. So here's Abraham. Now all of a sudden, I don't have Lot to lean into. It's not going to happen with Lot. Maybe now it'll be my servant. And yet God had promised him clearly that it would be a son. And we also know that if you know the storyline, that Lot or that Abram's wife goes over there and says, "Well, look, I'm I'm feeling the struggle that you're feeling." And maybe Abram was at you know dinner time, and going, "Why don't you get pregnant, girl?" Or, and then she's probably looking at him and going, well, that's on you. You know what I mean? Can you, I don't know what was really going on at dinner time, but I mean, I would think that it probably after, you know, about 15 years of this, that it's probably a stressor in their relationship. And all of a sudden, you know, Sarah does the unthinkable. And all of a sudden she goes, well, maybe if you just have love and make love to my servant Hagar over here and you get her pregnant, that I can have a child through her. What kind of thinking is that? You know, it's amazing to me. When you get desperate, you do some crazy, nonsense things. When we're waiting on God sometimes, all of a sudden we allow our mind to get away from us instead of just holding on to the promise. We all of a sudden begin to start making things or try to make things happen that weren't the Lord at all. In Genesis chapter 18, that's where we find Abraham and Sarah coming up with their own plan. In Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Here we are, 25 years later. How long can you wait for a promise? 25 years. And now we see God says to Abraham, he's the father of faith. We think people that have great faith get something to happen right now. That's not what the story says at all. The story says of a man who has great faith can hold out on, you know, for God, even if it takes 25 years to see that promise. And I believe it took 25 years to get the doubt, the fear, the culture out of Abraham so that he could truly be the father of faith. Number one, real quickly in your study guides, doubt is centered on self Faith is centered on Christ. It's not what you can do. It's what Christ has already done. All you need to do is get in the vacuum in the design and plan that God has for your life. And number two, the first step away from doubt is acknowledgement. I'm not going to take any time to go into that this week because we're going to spend quite a bit of time in that next week. You don't want to miss it. But it's so important. In fact, it's so funny... um, this uh, last week, God will have those annoying times in your life. You ever been annoyed? Maybe it's your driving. Maybe you're, you have road rage. I don't, I don't have that. God delivered me of it. But um, maybe, maybe it's someone in your workplace, you know, and um, maybe it's somebody, you know, maybe it's your marriage. I, I don't know. Um, but I was annoyed walking out of Walmart one day, just this last week. And I, I'm in a hurry, like I normally am, and I'm trying to get through, and, and there's uh, this family in front of me. And this family, this, this, I'm going to say, probably, I'm, gonna, I'm guessing at ages, hard, the older I get, the harder it is to guess at age. But anyway, I'm guessing this man was in his 30s, and he's in a wheelchair. 
And then I'm thinking it's probably his mother next to him and maybe a father or stepfather next to him and maybe a brother and sister and all. And, and, and so I, I can't get around them other than be, you know, really be obnoxious. And, you know, because I'm going through that, that area where the doors, you know, the first doors and the second doors, I'm caught in that space. This isn't a very long time, but I'm, I, I tell you, in a very short space of time, you can learn a lot. And God wanted to, to arrest me to see something so I could give a message to you. And so I'm in this place and I'm arrested in this five, 10 second experience. But what happened to me is that I'm not a person that eavesdrops. The only reason is that I want to get around them. So I'm like so close to them, I can't get around. And you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm looking for my passing line, my passing lane, right? And uh, all of a sudden the gentleman that's in the wheelchair starts, you know, he starts talking and I think he was talking, but all of a sudden I picked it up. He goes, yeah, so-and-so um, has got this sickness and so-and-so has got this leukemia and so-and-so is um, in the hospital diagnosed with this. And so, I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe that within about five to 10 seconds, I heard so much bad. And that was that man's reality. And God began to show me. He goes, that's when I talk about renouncing the hidden things of shame. When you're all you're doing is announcing your environment, anybody can do that. We walk by today. Is that what the Bible says? Or we walk by faith and not by sight. No, God was giving me an exaggerated scenario so I could give you an exaggerated, you know, scenario. We are children of the Most High. If you're sitting in a wheelchair... That's not going to be that God doesn't look upon you with shame. God says, what is the promise that God has inside of you that's going to make you alive? If you're struggling with your marriage, God's not ashamed of you and mad at you. God says, what is the promise that's alive inside of you that's going to bring it tomorrow? If you're struggling with a wayward child, and your scenario is your wayward child is, you know, saying, I don't want nothing to do with it. Maybe you've got, you got a college student that's going on in college. 70% of college students today don't come back to God. Maybe you got a college student that's out there and just wants to deny Christ's existence. You know, it's really easy to make that announcement. Yeah, so-and-so, my kid just can't believe it, went to church all his life and just blanky-blank thinking this way and doing that. That's easy to do that. That's walking by what you see. But can you walk by faith? You say, well, Pastor Ron, what does that mean? Well, we're going to talk more about that next week. But walking by faith is this. What are you looking... You know, the Bible, you know, actually, it says scientifically right now, you can see about five miles. Now, the older I get, maybe not so much, all right? But they say that you can see about five miles. And yet, most of us, when I hear you talking, I don't see you talking about anything more than five feet away from you. If you can see physically five miles, what could you spiritually see? What would you, and then, and then by the way, that's what would God would want you to acknowledge. That's what God would want you to be talking about. What you can spiritually see. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, here he is, Paul is perplexed. He's being, he has been shipwrecked. He's been stoned to death. He has been fought. But that's not what Paul's talking about. 
What Paul's talking about is a light that's inside of his soul that can't, he can't stop talking about how great, because the more he talks about God, the more the stones come. But he can't stop because it's so alive on the inside, though he's presently, presently what's going on in his life, oppressed. But on the inside, he's so strong in God that he has moved. And I'm not even thinking about what's going here. I keep on thinking about what's going on out there. And the world sees something that's not physically capable. They see something that's spiritually empowered. That's what God's talking about. People of faith aren't living here. They're living out there. They're going by the promises of God. Abraham had to get to that point where he was talking like, I am a father of many, even when he was a father of none. What is it going to take for you to speak what God says over you, or are you going to speak your circumstances over you? Move away from doubt and into faith. Father, I thank you for this time that, Lord we can take steps away from doubt and move ourselves into faith. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith, God. Show us this way. Show us this journey. Thank you for it. I want to have you pray this prayer of acknowledgement. There's no magic in it. All it is is the way of God. And it's a confession of who God is in your life that begins to put you on the path of his design. So I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Would you say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I receive his forgiveness, his love that he paid for on the cross. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.